Good evening. I'm glad to see you this evening. Hope everybody's had a good day. I'm looking forward to our study together. If you want to get out your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 13, that's where we'll be beginning. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. I hope that our study of this text can uh, fill you with as much encouragement as it's filled me as I've studied it myself. And, and I hope that this helps us all to have a, a better perspective as we study study together of what God desires of us and how we can glorify Him. Many requests have been made of Jesus. Uh, we could probably name some in our heads. Uh, people who are sick who have come to Jesus. What, what's the number of that? How many people have come to Jesus and, and requested to be made well? Uh, how many people have come to Jesus requesting to, to see because they're blind or hear because they're deaf? Uh, there's people with leprosy who've come to Jesus, asking Him to be healed. People even with paralysis. And Jesus has said yes, and He has healed. And we've seen His power go out generously as He's, as he's given to those who are around them and, and allowed for their requests to be positive, to, to be seen uh, as something God wants to do for them. It's interesting, in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, we find a very odd request. Uh, a man in the crowd calls out to Jesus saying, Teacher, tell, the brother to, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Isn't that an odd request to make of Jesus? Everyone else has physical problems, and this man comes to Jesus with his money problems. What does it imply? He has an inheritance that is supposed to be shared between him and his brother. That implies that a father has died, right? Some, someone in the family has died. There is now an inheritance that is going to be passed down to the sons. And this man feels as though he hasn't been treated justly. And he thinks, this is a time where I can come to Jesus and, and he can help settle this once and for all. Have you ever witnessed anything like this happen in your life? Have you ever uh, had a family member pass away and all of a sudden one son was promised this antique and the other son ends up with it and uh-oh, right? I mean, if you've, if you've seen this, you're laughing. You know what that's like. But it's not really funny. It's really, it's really sad. Whenever this happens, it's, it seems like this is supposed to be a time when we're, when we're trying to comfort each other, trying to come together and, and deal with the difficulty of losing someone that we love. And all that these people can think about is this stuff that, that they think should be theirs. Uh, there they are in the funeral home, seeing that the end is, I don't get to keep it, but they want to be the ones who get it for the little bit of time that they have left. Well, Jesus hears this request to, to fix his money problem, and guess what? Jesus doesn't care. <laughs> Jesus says to the man, Who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? Jesus doesn't respond with uh, the, the simple answer uh, that, that would solve the man's problem. Jesus says, that's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm here to deal with. I did not come to uh, help arrange the inheritance distributions on earth. He says, instead, take care, and he says this to everyone, Take care and be on guard against all forms of covetousness. 
Because one's life does not consist in his possessions, in the abundance of his possessions. Isn't that an odd statement? Life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. Think about that for a minute. Do we believe that? Life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. How can this be true? You know, we... We're thinking about possessions. We're dealing with possessions a lot. How can it be true that life is not about possessions? We're here on this physical earth. We have all these physical things around us. How can this be true? Well, Jesus gives us a parable. He goes on and tells us a story about how this can be true. It's a parable of a rich man, a man who has a lot of possessions. And this rich man is a farmer, and he has a nice bumper crop that comes in. And he looks at this nice crop and he says, wow, this is a lot to deal with. This is more than I have room to store. I don't have enough room in my barns for all of this stuff that I now have. What am I going to do with it? He thinks, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build bigger barns. That way I can store up all this stuff. And you know what? This is enough Food to last me for years. I will say to my soul, soul, you have plenty to get you by for many years. Relax. You worked hard. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. You deserve this. And now it's your time to enjoy it. But Jesus says that God tells him You fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. And whose will these things that you have prepared be? We know this parable. This is the parable of the man who decides to build bigger barns. He's a rich man. He's worked hard. He's, he's striven after accumulating wealth. And now he is finally able to relax, but he dies. He ends up with nothing. So in this story, we see that Jesus is telling us life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions by telling us about a farmer who is rich and has a bumper crop. He thought, I'll just relax. Everything will be great. I'll enjoy it. But what's really wrong with this situation? What's wrong with with what he's doing here? Well, he's not going to get to enjoy it, is he? All of this time, all of this effort he has spent is all for nothing. He's going to end up with nothing despite all of his work, all of his labor. And Jesus says in verse 21 that he has made two very important mistakes. Read that with me. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There's two very important mistakes. He laid up treasure for himself, and he was not rich toward God. I want us to consider these two mistakes 
tonight before we end. I want us to understand what these two mistakes really are and how it is that we could make these mistakes ourselves in order to keep ourselves from doing that. First of all, he says that he has laid up treasures for himself. What does that mean? What does it mean to lay up treasures for himself? When we look at this man, we see that he has worked hard. That he is focused on his work. And that he may have been planning and desiring and longing for the day when he would be able to hang up his, his work boots and take it easy and relax. He may have been dreaming of those days to come and so he's working diligently. And he finally catches his big break. And everything's going to go good at this point. You know, we read this and whenever we get to verse 19, how many of us would not say, I want to swap shoes with this guy. (laughs) I want to be where he's at. I want to be saying, Saul, you have enough to last you for many years. Let's relax. Let's eat. Let's drink. Let's be merry. Let's have a good time because I'm set for life. Is Jesus really against someone being successful? Is that what is that what the problem is? His hard work and his focus, him catching a break, is Jesus against that? I think that the the main point of this lesson goes back to verse 15 where he said one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This is the failure of the rich man. He illustrates for us an obsession with material gain. His life was all about material gain. And whenever he had it, he thought he was done. He thought he had, he had accomplished everything, that now he was going to live a peaceful existence and everything was going to be great. But he was wrong. He was wrong. All that work, all of that effort was gone in an instant. It disappeared like it was never there to begin with. He accomplished this, all, all of this and then it's gone. This is likened to uh, someone who wins the lottery and then they get hit by a truck as they're going to, to cash in. This is like someone who has worked this job for 30 years and piled up this huge amount of money and they retire and the next week they're dead. They don't even get to enjoy it. I've known people who have done this and this has happened to them. This is not so far-fetched. And this is the problem. There's an obsession with material gain, with accumulating possessions, as though that is what this life is all about. Do we relate to the rich man? No, not at all. Are we obsessed with our possessions as though they will give us life abundantly? Jesus is telling us that we are no better and we are no worse with our riches. 
the riches of life do not help or hurt us in any way. They could help, they could hurt us more than they could help us, but they make no difference in whether our life is good or not, whether it's worth living or not. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I think we're all tempted to live this way, aren't we? I mean, whenever I was working in Huntsville, I had a guy who, who I met, and great guy, diligent. Man, you met him and you knew he was after something. You knew he was the kind of guy who was making friends with everybody, to connect to everybody in order to get ahead. He's willing to do anything anybody will give him to do. This guy's gone back to school for extra degrees. This guy's gone to Iraq. He's gone to Afghanistan in order to further his career. He'll take any project on. And he does good work. He's diligent. I could feel the temptation inside of me. I could be like that. I could go to Afghanistan. I could, I could go back to school. That sounds good. I could, I could succeed. I could, I, could, I could be a DB4 in the army. I could make a lot of money. And you know what? People would respect me. I could wear a tie to work every day and I'd be a hot shot. That sounds pretty good. It's there. It's the temptation. We're around people who are very driven and we're tempted to think that being driven like them is going to somehow enhance our life and make life better, make it worth living. But Jesus says, no, we're no better off with or without it. When, when our life is over, we're going to be empty of all those things. All that stuff we've built up will be gone and we'll have it no more. Jesus doesn't just tell us that our riches that we're seeking after make no difference and they're not even worth the pursuit. He also tells us something very surprising in verse 22 through 30. Let's read that together. Verse 22. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If you then are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. Neither They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Isn't this astonishing? Jesus tells us that not only is it 
worthless for us to pursue after riches and and possessions in this life, but that we're wasting our time and our effort pursuing food as though food is our life. Does anybody here think they don't need food to live? (laughs) Do you think you don't need clothes to survive? Well, we're in Florida. You might be able to make it, but most places no, right? Food and clothing and drink are essentials, right? We need those things. And here Jesus is saying, don't you worry about those things. You can't add an hour to your life by being worried about those things. Think of the raven. The raven doesn't have a barn, doesn't have a storehouse. The raven wakes up in the morning and he looks for something to eat and he gets his food and he keeps on living. And he dies one day of natural causes, who knows why. He lives, he lives a full life. Does he have a barn? No. What about us? Do we have pantries that are full of food? Do we have refrigerators that are full of food? Do we have closets that are full of clothes? We've got our own little personal storehouses in our house. In fact, we've got up, up the road less than a mile away, we've got a big storehouse called the Publix where we can go to if we run out of that stuff, right? And we've, got a, we've got a ton of stuff. And, and so why would we be worried about these things? Jesus says that they won't add an hour to our lives. We're working and working and working to provide all these things and we're providing ourselves with abundance so much so that obesity is a problem in our society, right? And we've got more clothes than we can wear. There's clothes that that are eaten by moths before we wear them. We're laying up treasures for ourselves and we don't even know it. The problem of the rich man is that he's devoting countless hours to building unnecessary storehouses that will disappear. They'll be gone. As soon as he dies, they'll go off to somebody else and he won't have them anymore. And and having those things don't extend his life at all. They don't help him with with life. It doesn't this is not what our life consists of, and this is the message that we need to, to fully comprehend. So this is his failure. He's laying up treasures in heaven. This is his first major mistake. The second major mistake is what he is failing to do. He's failing by laying up treasures for himself. And he's failing by not being rich toward God. What is it about being rich toward God? What does that mean? How is he failing to be rich toward God? Well, in the, in the lengthy list that is given to us about this man, you notice in the midst of relax, eat, drink, be merry, there's nothing in there about returning work for God who has blessed him with all of this. There's no information about focusing and diligently working toward God. He has been rich for himself. He has laid up treasures for him. But he has no concern about the work of God and doing what God desires for him to do. Think about what his daily goals would be like, okay? Uh, we can probably imagine this. He's going to wake up in the morning. He's going to, you know, check in, see what everybody's up to, and maybe call some folks and see what the, what's going on. Oh, we're going to play golf today. All right, let's go play golf, you know? Uh, 
you know, maybe he's going to go check in on the fields and, and just make sure the operation's going well, but he's not going to bother himself with it. And then maybe at the end of the day, he's going to relax, he's going to play with the grandkids and kids, and he's going to watch some TV and, and maybe read a book and relax. But what does, it, what does any of that have to do with God? What does any of that have to do with, with working for God, with worshiping God, with, with living for God? Do we fail by living the same way? We have 40 hours a week spent working a job, maybe more, maybe less. Uh, we're busy. Working a job, 40 hours a week. You don't provide for your own, you're worse than an unbeliever. It's part of life. Working is part of life. What about the 72 waking hours that we spend away from work? How is that time being spent? What are our goals for every day? You know, it hurts to think about this stuff. <laughs> I'm going to go to work, I'm going to come back from work. I'm going to try to get some quiet time in my car and think for a little bit before I go inside and, and have the kids rush me. I'm going to spend time with my kids. I'm going to spend time with my wife. And then after that, I'm going to kick back and eat a snack and watch some TV. And I may browse the Internet or browse Facebook a little bit while I'm doing that. And, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm good. I think I'll go to bed now. That's, that's it. That's, that's the day. Fill in whatever it is that you do. Fill it in. There's my day. There's my goal for the day. I need that me time. I need that alone time with my TV or with my computer or with my cell phone or with whatever it is. I need to, to go golfing. I need to go do this hobby or that hobby. This is my daily goal. I want to get this in in order to live a good life. But are we too busy to do things for God? If our life does not consist in these things, in, in the possessions that we are shopping for on the internet or wherever, in the, the hobbies that we have and the experiences that we have, if that's not really what life is about, if that's going to leave us empty whenever this life is over, then shouldn't we be making room in our schedule for spiritual goals? Shouldn't we be seeking to pray for this amount of time every day? Seeking to study the Bible for this amount of time every day? Seeking to call those who haven't been to services recently? Seeking to uh, encourage those who are sick and struggling or shut in? Shouldn't these be part of our daily goals? Jesus says that we can only seek one thing with our hearts. And I think our tendency is to seek after the earthly things. Let's read together verses 30 through 34. It says, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. 
Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus tells us that we need to be, instead of seeking after all of these possessions and all of these things that we think will give us life, instead of seeking these things, Jesus tells us you need to seek the kingdom. And let all those things be given to you by God. Let those things come and and enjoy the the blessings that, that God gives you, but seek after with your heart the kingdom. Seek after God. Seek after worshiping and serving Him with your life. Pursuing the treasures of this world is a waste of time. Those things pass away. And it takes us focus and it takes us diligence. It takes hard work to pursue these things that are temporary. But all that focus, all that work that we're spending on all those things could be spent on things that are eternal, that will last us forever, treasures that do not grow old. And Jesus is telling us, encouraging and even commanding that we seek what is eternal. The eternal blessings that we have to look forward to far outweigh the temporary things in this life. And if we're seeking to be eternally wealthy, that means we have to give up being temporarily wealthy on this life. That that we are instead focused on being wealthy in heaven. We can't be also focused on being wealthy in the earth. The two things don't work. We're either using the blessings of this life to lay up treasures in heaven, or we're keeping all the blessings of this life for ourselves for us to enjoy. We can't do both. We only have so much time. We only have so much effort in this life. And what are we using it to accomplish? Are we using it to be rich toward God or are we using it to lay up treasures for ourselves? What are we supposed to do? What is this text telling us to do? Should we sell all of our stuff and give it away? Read read verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Who's he talking to? talking to His disciples. Those who are His disciples are supposed to sell your possessions and give to the needy. Should we sell our stuff and give it away? Is that a ridiculous thought? Really, is that a ridiculous thought? You know, I've preached on this text before. And I've made caveats and said, well, you know, what Jesus really wants us to do is He wants us to be willing to let go of our possessions. That's a cop-out. <laughs> that's, that's making it easier than the text makes it. The text says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. It, does, it doesn't say, 
desire to sell your possessions. It says sell your possessions and give to the needy. But we feel like this is a ridiculous thought. I can't sell my possessions. Imagine doing this. Imagine selling your possessions. Imagine tomorrow you're going to, or this Friday, you're going to have a yard sale. And you're going to get rid of all the stuff in your, uh, in your house that you're not using anymore. And all the stuff that you don't need. And maybe even some of the stuff that you use, but it's not really something that you have to have. You're just going to sell it. And then you're going to take that money and give it to the poor. Give it to someone who really does have a need. Give it to some charitable cause. How are people going to look at you? How are people going to look at you if you sell your your nice house and move into a smaller house that that you can you can deal with? Are they you can afford more? Why are you doing this? Right? People would wonder, what are you doing? You're giving it all away. Are you giving up? Are you suicidal? What's going on? How are you thinking that this is okay? We're here to get as much as we can. Don't you know that? Wouldn't this be a difficult thing for us to do? Jesus commands His disciples to sell and give to the needy in order to be rich toward God. This is part of seeking the kingdom. Either you're seeking what the rest of the nations are seeking, you're seeking the food, you're seeking the drink, you're seeking the bigger barns, or you're seeking the kingdom. And Jesus is encouraging us to seek the kingdom with all of our heart. It means that the possessions of this life mean nothing to us. But the possessions we can obtain in heaven mean everything to us. I'm not going to stand up here and act like I'm doing this and this is easy and everything's okay. This is hard. We're just being honest with the text and looking at the text and seeing what Jesus is saying and saying, yep, I'm not doing that. I'm failing miserably at that. That's a hard thing to even wrap my mind around. How can we do this? How can we give up our possessions and our desire for more and more and more and the consumerism of our, of our day to serve God better, to be rich toward God? We all desire to be rich in heaven. We want that. We believe that God will give us that if we serve Him. But doing it, that's hard. Jesus encourages us in this text By telling us to do things that are hard, He tells us also why we can do this. We can do this. We can let go of our possessions and give them to the needy and set up money bags that do not grow old in heaven. We can do this because we believe and we trust that God will take care of us. God will give us what we need and our life does not consist in the abundance of things. It consists of whatever it is that God gives us. 
And it's really all about heaven. It's God's good pleasure to give us what we need. Verse 32 tells us that. He wants to give us what we need and He wants to give us the kingdom. He wants to give us everything. We are of more value to Him than the rest of creation. And He wants to bless us. Think about for a minute Naomi walking on the side of the road. And she's picking up cans. And you go up to her and say, Naomi, what are you doing? Why are you on the side of the road? You're going to get killed. And she says, i got to pick up cans so that I can buy something to eat. That doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense to think that she needs to do all this work to buy something to eat. I would give that to her. I would feel insulted if I found her doing that, thinking that I won't provide for her. But this is what we're doing if we're not believing and trusting that God will take care of us. If we're anxious about the stuff of this world, the food, the drinks, the things that we need, the clothing, the stuff. God will give us what we need. We need to focus and spend that time that we would have spent worrying about that stuff. We need to focus on serving God. Jesus tells us that we need to believe that our possessions can't fix anything in this life. They can't fix our worry. They can't fix our anxiety. Obsessing about them, focusing on them, it does nothing to help us at all. If we, if we focus and we become determined and driven to build up more, it can be gone like that. I can... you know, you know if you, you probably, I don't know if anybody here listens to country music. I don't listen very much anymore, but a lot of people in Alabama listen to country music. And there's this song that came out, Money Can't Buy Happiness, But It Can Buy Me a Boat. And you fishermen are like, that's right. Well, guess what? Before I get that boat wet, I can die. And, and there, ain't, there ain't no happiness in that boat anymore. Our possessions, even though they promise great happiness and great joy, they don't fix anything. Even if we get to enjoy them for a little while, after, after some time, they don't give us the joy anymore. They just pass away. Everything is like that. It's all fleeting. But there is a pleasure and a joy that is everlasting. And that's what God wants us to see and enjoy. And that's what Jesus is trying to encourage us to do. To set aside these temporary joys and pick up the everlasting joys of serving God faithfully. It's not an easy job. Brent's lesson this morning showed us that being a disciple of Christ is going to mean that there's going to be suffering and there's going to be struggles with those around us. And it's going to be hard. And this text shows us that We're going to have to fight with ourselves over the materialistic society that that pushes us to be like them. To become more spiritually minded, to set up spiritual goals for our everyday lives that puts God first in our lives instead of laying up treasures for ourselves. The world is seeking and obsessing over all of these things. We can't do that. Because we know that we serve a God who is faithful, who will give us everything that we need on this earth, and who will bless us abundantly in the life to come if we live this life to serve Him. 
If there's anybody here tonight who has not put on Christ, who has not started the walk of serving God faithfully and desire to, to, to work for God, to put Him first, we want to encourage you to make that change tonight. Please come if you have need. Please come as we stand and sing.